from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. Today, we've got a Monster Hunter romance by L.P.M. Sinclair called Crimson Steel. Mira has spent her life doing three things. Killing monsters, drinking beer, and avoiding men. That is, until she meets a wizard who asks her to guide him through the wilds of Estendla, the largest swath of monster-infested land on the continent. Tenzin has a charm, a mission, and magic as strange as his manners. Tradition paints crimson steel hunters and wizards as enemies, but something about him makes her stony heart race. Which will ruin her life first? The monsters? or her feelings. LPM Sinclair is an artist and author from Cincinnati, Ohio, where she lives with her husband, Kat, in a small forest of houseplants. A storyteller all her life, she focuses on character-driven stories featuring powerful women with awesome magical powers. A huge tabletop role-playing game enthusiast, she draws inspiration from the world she creates and participates in with friends to create works of fiction with lovable casts and sweeping fantasy worlds. And now a sample of Crimson Steel, episode one. I didn't know if I was a good person. Or if good people existed in the world I lived in. I couldn't remember ever being taught what made a good person beyond who could kill the most monsters. If that was what made a good person, I was a pinnacle of virtue. But if it was by any other metric, I probably wasn't. But I was alive, which was an accomplishment for someone with my creed and lifestyle. I'd been born into the Crimson Steel, a community founded on blood magic and hunting monsters. At 25, I'd completed my trial to become a huntress and was sent out into the world to start pulling the figurative lice out of the hair of humans who could pay me. Sometimes the lice were easy things, like bear hounds or an odd ghoul. But other times I found myself staring down a deep beast before I realized I had not been paid enough to smash the bug. If I was ever a good person, though, that person existed somewhere between my fourth and fifth beer. After that, I tended to get a little combative. I was on six when a man sat down in the seat beside me in the dingy tavern that smelled like stale piss. Do you kill bear hounds? He asked in a gruff voice that matched his plain, dirty, home-woven clothes. I had to snort at the question. I'd killed my first bear hound when I was ten, sixty-odd years ago. But he wouldn't know that I had that many years of experience. Like all crimson steel, I was frozen at the age I was when I did my trial, until the day I died in a fight. We have three that have been eating sheep and chickens off our land, said a man beside him one of the two who seemed to be there to hire me just as much as the one who had sat down. And my horse, said a short man at his side, nervously wringing the brim of his straw hat. And his horse. They're too close to the homes now, getting worried about it. Do you have money? I asked. A hundred ten asked, he said. I did the math. That was about thirty beers. Tempting, but not enough to waste my time. I could have chopped wood all day for about the same rate and I didn't have to hunt down the wood. I hope that's a down payment. Half now, half when you kill them and bring us proof. The proof will be that they'll no longer be eating your livestock, no? 
I'll take two fifty now. Two twenty, he countered, looking back at the men behind him. Two forty, and I'll be done tonight and out of town by noon tomorrow. Out of town was the tempting part for them. As much as they needed us and cursed us for not being around when situations turned dire, humans never liked Crimson Steel members in their towns. They didn't need to know I'd planned on moving on anyway. Fine. He put two coin bags down on the bar, pulling another few coins from his pockets in the hands of the men behind him. I gathered them into the bags and put them on my belt. I'd count it later. Where are your farms? I asked. Down the north road, has a big sign out front that says wool. He gestured with his hands to show me how big the sign was. Of course it was down the north road. Towns like this only ever had two roads. Three if they were lucky. These guys are your neighbors? I asked. Yes, ma'am. That made this even easier. Bearhound families had territories, and they tended to return to a den in a central location. All I'd have to do is find the middle house and keep walking till I hit it. I drained my beer and hopped off my chair, walking out the door without a look back. The midday sun burned my eyes. My eyes were not as creepy as they were for show, their whites blacked out and my irises a glowing red that matched my magic. They were cursed to see in the dark, but they left something to be desired for visibility in the daylight. Monsters tended to hate daylight as much as I did, so it worked out for me in the end. The local washwoman gave me dirty looks as I passed the dingy, one-room homes. It wasn't unusual. I may not have smelled much better than them, but they didn't take very well to a mysterious young woman in town, huntress or not. I'd gotten enough comments from drunk and sober men alike to know I wasn't unattractive. They usually shut up when they saw me reach for the hunting knife on my hip or the sword on my back, though. The sun was already making my black hair hot to the touch as I walked towards the farms, leaving the six-building town behind. The late summer was not quite falling off in the autumn yet, so the days still came with heat, even if the nights had gone cold. I pulled my hair up and back, tying a red ribbon around it to keep it in place. I'd need it up soon, anyway. I found the wool sign in the house and barn it belonged to, nothing about it uncommon for this part of the kingdom. It was all dingy, sprawling farm communities with patches of wilderness to separate them out here. I saw a young woman outside the house washing some kind of cookware pot. She hurried back inside when she saw me, and I heard the heavy lock go down across the door. Just as well. The wooded area on the far side of the field dotted with sheep behind the house drew my attention. A few hundred feet into the brush, I saw the hollowed-out pile of dirt the bear hounds had made into a home pine needle bed and gnawed sheep bones included. I climbed a nearby tree to wait. Ambushing bear hounds was easy. They never looked up. They were likely out foraging in the forest before returning for a brief nap. After that, they'd be turning their attention to the farms for the evening. It was now my job to make sure they didn't get that far. The sun had fallen a few hours' worth when I heard the first distant, heavy steps. Like a regular bear, it had a hulking body and powerful claws, deep brown fur matted with debris. Unlike a regular bear, it was twice the size, and its long muzzle of sharp teeth and pointed ears were that much better for hunting and killing whatever it fancied. This one was a large one, a male most likely. It smelled the air, nose twitching. It let out a low bay, and I heard it return from two other voices deeper in the woods. 
I had the strike now while it was alone. I reached for my sword and pricked my finger on the small barb in the pommel, letting a few drops of blood fall into the reservoir of the hollowed-out chamber within it. After a breath, I drew it, the usually unassuming sword now endowed with magic. Dispatching the oblivious creature was simple and swift. I dropped down on top of it, sword driving into its skull before it could notice anything at all. The magic started to flow from it to me, looking like a slow red lightning that traveled from it along my sword and into my arm, a transferring of life force that fed my abilities. All my senses sharpened. I felt stronger, faster, and less favorably, more sober. I could hear the breathing of the other two bear hounds as they approached, their paws crunching the dry leaves. I went back up the tree, this time knowing exactly which direction to look. They came quickly, quickly enough that they didn't notice their family member was unmoving. I measured them, picking out the bigger one to take out just as I had the first. It was a female, I could tell by the extra fur around its neck. The other was a juvenile, only a year or two old, but old enough to have blood caked into its fur. I dropped from the tree branch again, the second one going down, but the third was going to put up more of a fight. I ducked as its paw swiped at me, roar echoing in my ears. A claw dug deeply into my arm. The injury didn't last long. It healed as I put my sword up through the creature's bottom jaw, twisting the blade with a crunch. Pushing its bulky body over, I took out my hunting knife and set about pulling out some of its longest teeth while I was still strong enough to do it with ease. There were plenty of humans who would pay for them, and sometimes I carved them into tiny figurines. There was no real purpose to it, but it was entertaining. I went back to town, anxious that the tavern wouldn't let me sit with my boots and clothes flecked with blood. But it didn't seem like I was the most interesting thing there anymore. There was a commotion, three fine horses being led my direction, and a slew of townsfolk gathered in the street. Three figures were in the middle of it all. Wizards. Wizards smelled like flowers and were dressed in flamboyant clothes as if they were royalty. An air about them that said the locals were lucky to be blessed by a visit from them. I'd met wizards, and like every other Crimson Steel member, I hated them as much as they hated us. They saw us as inferior magic users, no better than the monsters we killed. We saw them as elitist assholes who had never actually accomplished anything with the magic they learned from their books. There were vague stories of a time when we had gotten along, but as far as living memory served, it was a rivalry as old as our organizations. And I was not about to be the one to break tradition. Humans always flocked to them, and was only ever partly because of their magic. Their weird, knowledge-based religion somehow seemed to include only the most attractive, physically fit people that enjoyed gratuitous preening and flaunting. Combined with the fact that they bathed, they were irresistible to the populace of the kingdom of Estenla. From what I could see through the throng, one was a short, dark-skinned woman with metallic green hair wrapped in clothes of matching hues. Another was a man at her side, quite pale and relying on rusting orange as his color from head to boot. The one that caught my eye most was another man, tall and draped in a magenta coat with swirling black patterns. He had dark hair and a beard that caught the late daylight and shined purple or blue, shifting between the shades as if it moved on its own. He was especially attractive with his olive skin and obnoxiously nice smile. I didn't like him or his half-rimmed glasses. I went inside the tavern, hoping they wouldn't follow. 
No later than the time it took for me to buy a beer and sit down at an out-of-the-way table did the crowd file through the front door, wizards in tow. I stayed at my seat and attempted to ignore the ruckus. I made the mistake of looking up and meeting the eyes of the magenta-wearing wizard, his eyes even bluer than his hair. Much to my annoyance, he took the look of summons. He gave me a frustratingly flirtatious smile as he pulled out a seat to sit beside me. The smell of deep lavender and sage smoke came with him, a scent that was intoxicating after the horse shit and sweat I was used to. I'd like to hire someone like you, he said with a suave voice that matched the rest of him. There are plenty of other women for you to hire. I kill monsters. If that's what you're after, and that alone, we can talk. I am after monsters. I'm a wizard researching. You're a wizard. I never would have guessed between the colored hair and the weird outfit. Excuse me, scholar. I scoffed. He frowned. I was going to say that I am researching natural magics like the ones used by monsters found in the wilds of Estinla. I'd planned to go without a guide, but I could use someone who knows the wilds and could keep me out of less desirable situations. It wasn't an unreasonable proposition. The wilds were dangerous. I knew them and the monsters that lived there very well, but I was sure I'd be working with an idiot if he had planned to go alone. Maybe that's why I'd brought friends. Then who are they? I said, gesturing to his companions with the tilt of my cup. They won't be coming with me. They're friends who happen to be headed the same direction for a while. The direction of the wilds? Yes. Listen, the wilds are not the place for a wizard. Aren't you supposed to be holed up in a tower with books? Isn't a lady supposed to be in a dress? Oh no. I'm a crimson steel huntress. Hunters is haunt. So, JP, before we talk to our author, let's talk about pro writing yeah. aid. Pro writing aid. You know what? One of the things that I love is that it shows you your achievements. Um, and I love that it gives you this wordle of like your grammar improvement. So you can see all mm-hmm. of the things that you improved. It's like super motivating to me to look at all the improvements I've made in adverbs and verbs and commas and hyphens and all of that. So I love that they send that and they show how my style is improving. And the cool part is that over time, it's like there are less and less improvements that because I'm just becoming a better writer. So I love that part. I Yeah, no, I love it. I really like it when I am first drafting because then I see it all the time when I'm not first drafting. I like rarely see the word map, but when I am uh, first drafting, which a lot of people are probably doing or have done because of NaNoWriMo, um, you get to see this like progress that you make on a weekly basis and like see where your, your pitfalls are, uh, which will only help you later on. Uh, and it just shows you your progress. It's the, it's the coolest thing ever. I really enjoy, uh, getting those emails when I'm first drafting. When I'm not, it makes me motivated to make more words because then I feel guilty. <laughs> I feel like I'm first drafting every day. I keep joking that uh, serial fiction is nan- NaNoWriMo every day. So I'm like, every day is NaNoWriMo for me. I'm not doing it because, you know, I'm already putting four to six K <laughs> out a week into the world. So, 
But yeah, it's awesome. Well, that's because you're a monster. But Thanks. You know. <laughs> I try. <laughs> you're I try. welcome. I'm glad you're a monster. But yeah. So, so pro writing aid for monsters and people. ProWritingAid.com yes. and use our discount code Serial20. Serial, S-E-R-I-A-L, 20. Do it. Do it. The monster inside demands it. (laughs) So we love this first episode for so many reasons. You have a gender-bent witcher, a wizard, and they're in an enemies-to-lover romance. What inspired you to write this serial? Um, Besides the witcher itself, um, I was in the throes of writing book two of my series, and that's all very like uh, grand strategy, political intrigue, expansive world building. And I just had the itch for something like sword and sorcery, lower magic. Um, and I really like the idea of a more simple magic system and um, just making it about the characters instead of the worlds. Um, I like to drive, like to do very character driven narratives instead of um like grand worlds ending catastrophes and sword and sorcery really did that um it it has that kind of gritty feel and that was really what i wanted to go because my series is kind of uh royal glitzy (laughs) um it has darker moments but the first book was more on the sweeter side and I just wanted them to fight. Um, I just wanted just a little bit of conflict. So the enemies to lovers uh, drew me in because I could have my tough, gritty heroine, um, Mira, and really <laughs> um, turn up the conflict with them. So Tenson is kind of a hotshot in the wizarding community, and she gets to take him down a peg just little by little every time um, without them ever being... I don't know, a rude or abusive that has no interest in um, no interest for me. But I like the idea of just a little bit of real world conflict and trying to get to know each other and overcome our biases. <laughs> um, so I wanted to set it up with the premise of my monster hunter versus my magic user and how they figure that out and become a team. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, do you want to quick give a, a little plug on your series? Uh, yeah, uh, it is the Stardrop series. It's on Amazon. Um, the first book is Stardropped Golden Sun. Um, the next book is Stardrop King of Starfire. That's coming out in February. Fingers crossed for getting everything done. Um, it's drafted. It's with my editor, but whether or not she likes it is always a toss up. <laughs> oh, it is. That's excellent. Um, I'm excited to read that. Um, but I am curious about why your character in the serial, uh, why she doesn't have the other half of her bloodbound pair. Is uh, there more you can tell us without spoilers? Um, not huge spoilers. Um, you will meet a character later in the series. I think, oh gosh, he comes in about episode 10, 15, somewhere in there. Um, his name is Aaron, and he was her partner growing up. Um, so you get to explore their relationship a little bit and how that kind of ruined romance for her. She kind of gave up on it. She had a few uh, less than serious flings in her life, but the idea of being stuck with someone forever just really turns her off. Um, and I can't say I blame her. <laughs> it's kind of there's a lot of pressure in not being being able to be away from someone for you know any given length of time because they can only be a half mile away from each other. Um, without the spell breaking and they die 
um, there are some warning signs in place, of course, and I get into those later, but um, it it has a little bit of a sting for the romance side of things <laughs> when you uh, are constantly facing death and you have your life uh, uh, you have your life attached to another person and you really have to be completely sure about that because you can't undo it. So um, it has some weight. <laughs> yeah. A year is a long time to spend with anyone. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what's one thing about this story that you want listeners to know or to be excited about? Um, I really, really want them to be excited about um, just the characters in general. I love these characters. My betas are in love with these characters. So far, early readers are in love with the characters, and they are my true focus. The world building's cool. I love monsters. I love writing the combat. But more than anything, I try to make this an organic growth for a relationship and not start it out with... um, you know, any insta-love or any, you know, just sheer vitriol hatred, um, but kind of walk that line and have them figure it out and overcome some biases and do it while exploring a world. So, um, yeah, the characters are my favorite part. And I hope that people, when they read, are drawn to a character-driven narrative and like that. So I hope that they are excited for more books and more Tenson and Mira this way. Definitely. I mean, from what I've read so far, I definitely am drawn in by those characters. So I would say for as a reader that you are doing your job. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Uh, but now I'm going to make you have to choose uh, which fair, which is your favorite character or which character are you most excited for readers to read about and why? Oh, oh gosh. Um, as much as I love my girl, obviously, I tell the whole the whole story from her point of view. Um, I have to go with my wizard. Uh, He is full of so many layers and there's so much in his past. He's 93. So by the time you learn that he's old, you realize that there's probably more going on in his life than just this little escapade. Um, And as much as it is for research, it's also a character growth thing for him. Um, So he grows a lot through the story, but there's, He's a secret keeper. There are a lot of things that come to light later in the series about him as a person. Um, So I like to watch Tenson not only grow with Mira, but also grow in the narrative and figuring his life out. (laughs) Well, he certainly makes an entrance in his uh, magenta with his blue hair. (laughs) Oh, he is a drama king for sure. There's, There's not one line that I write for him that I'm not, how can I make this more dramatic? Or how can I make this description just a little bit more opulent? Because he is extra. (laughs) Yeah, he is definitely a lot extra. So do you have a favorite uh, romance trope? Is it enemies to lovers or is it something else? Oh gosh, Um, that's a hard one because I feel like everything can be done wrong and everything can be done right. (laughs) Um, I am a big fan of arranged marriage tropes as you will see in my series, um, Enemies to Lovers is kind of a hard line to walk um, as far as making it not uh, not problematic <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. But I do love the idea that two people can overcome that and make things work. The idea of them choosing each other every time is romantic. Um, I also a sucker for a good one bed trope. 
uh, if it's done well, it's done well. And I love it. That's yes. I love all of those things. So I can't wait for maybe seeing those in this. uh, Yes. Yes. You, you will. (laughs) Excellent. Good. Good. Um, Have you had any audience feedback or participation with the story? Yeah, so I've had quite a few of the other Vela authors that I've met this way, um, some Vela readers. I also have it on my Patreon, so some of my Patreon readers have reached out to me like, hey, I love the Blue Wizard. My number one comment is, why is Tenson so sexy all the time? It kills me. <laughs> to which I argue, like, he's just an awkward nerd that looks hot. I'm sorry. He, he is a candy-coated, bright blue m M&M outside. And the inside's just a nervous nerd. Um, that's fun to play with for sure. Um, but I love having my beta readers as well. I every episode that I put out and every step of this process, I involve them. Um, but I try to have one beta reader that knows all my secrets and all the plot twists and you know keeps me on track and from breaking my own lore. Um, and then another beta reader that is only taking things at face value, what I give them. Um, so I get feedback from both sides, um, but I love breaking their hearts and uh, making them cry or laugh or yell. It's my favorite thing. Um, I feel like all authors relate to that just a little bit. <laughs> reader tears great stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you have a Discord uh, where readers can interact about your serial as yes. well. Do you want to uh, give a plug for that and we can drop a link in the show notes? Yeah, if um, you guys drop the link to my link tree that I I think I sent it to you in the email. Um, if you drop a link to my link tree, you'll find all of that good stuff there. You'll find me on all my medias. You can join the Discord. Um, there are different channels for each of my books or projects that I'm working on. Um, And it's a tiny little fandom interaction. I always post memes about my characters. Um, Sometimes they're fan-made, usually for my own enjoyment. I will make quite a few. Um, You'll also see my art. Um, You can see that on Instagram as well, but sometimes I post exclusive stuff on my Discord. Um, It's a little less permanent (laughs) than an Instagram post um, and a little better quality because Instagram likes to pixelate everything that I don't want to be pixelated. so yeah, if you just go to my link tree, you can find me anywhere you want to find me. <laughs> yeah, and you do all the uh, art for your serial as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, um, I am also, I don't know, a, I don't want to say self-taught because I had quite a few art teachers that tried to influence me one way or another. I still just do my own thing. Um, but I do all of my own covers. Um, I do character art, um, usually of scenes that are in the serial, sometimes just cute, fluffy things. Um, But it's a great way for me to connect to my characters and with my readers because they'll see a picture of Mira and Tenson and they're like, hey, I know those people. Um, Or it'll be people that are seeing my account for the first time and they're like, ooh, I want to read about them. Um, So it's a fun way for me to work on my stuff without writing. Um, And it's a fun way for people to find and interact with my stuff. And I get the pride of knowing that the thing on my shelf when I do have print books is 100% my work um, with the exclusion of my editor. Shout out to Maddie. (laughs) Um, But it is 100% my baby. And that is so satisfying. But I also, you know, recommend cover artists to anyone who does not have that streak. I love that. I love that you're able to kind of intermix these two uh, talents of yours and put them into one uh, piece. That's really cool. I am curious, though. Tell us about your serials playlist. 
Oh, yes. I have a Spotify playlist for um, my different works, um, one for my series, obviously one for my serial. Um, the playlist is, of course, largely Witcher inspired. Um, it's just the exact vibe that I was going for when I started writing this. Um, and I have Henry Cavill in leather to thank for my motivation to write the version of this that I have. Um, <laughs> he was a great source of inspiration and eye candy. Um, but I have playlists for everything. So it sets the mood and I have readers that like to put it on when they read it. And that makes me happy because I like to put it on when I write it. So speaking of The Witcher, is there any other uh, media or books that inspired you to write in the genre? Oh, gosh. Um, anything Lord of the Rings. I've always been a Tolkien fan. I grew up with Tolkien fans. So it kind of, through osmosis, was imbued in me. My tiny Gandalf miniature on next to my giant collection of Lord of the Rings paraphernalia is staring at me as we speak. Um, so that... I mean, that's the gold standard for, for fantasy as far as anything. Um, I also wrote short horror for a while. So the idea of writing a monster hunter and bring, being able to bring in those roots of like that, um, the grittier monsters and that grittier fear and that um, balance of fight for your life um, made me very happy. So um, any, any kind of horror that I have consumed in my lifetime has definitely been an influence in my writing in general. Um, I'm trying to think of other places. Oh, D&D, &D, of course. I have to do a shout out to D&D &D in general. Um, I wouldn't have Mira and Tenson written as they were if it were not for the Wizard and Bloodhunter classes. Um, I play D&D nay constantly um, with my friends um, and my husband. So that world and that you know character driven uh, idea of that game is part of the reason that I write this now because I I draw inspiration from it how can you not <laughs> definitely I'm in the same boat and I, I love finding other authors that love you know D&D &D and uh, tabletop RPGs because I'm just like yeah like yes. I know it's so much fun to intermix the two Yes, so, nerding out is fantastic. I, I know, love when right? I find other D&D players. <laughs> well, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, what kind of research goes into crafting this world? Uh, so you've got maps, uh, you've got art on your Instagram. Is there a bestiary in the works? Uh, how'd you make your monsters? Tell me all the details. Oh, goodness. Um, my monsters, like I said, come from any kind of horror influence I could ever find. Um, they, you know, the monster manual, as I said, with D and D, um, my monsters usually go through a process of what do I have? What do I need? Um, so for example, the deep beasts were the things that I wanted to start with, um, because they are so integral to the story and the idea of giant chaotic magic beings wandering around the continent was, I had to have it. <laughs> I couldn't not, um, so pulling those monsters in and then I was like, okay, I need some smaller monsters. And then I need even smaller monsters that aren't as much of a problem, but are still kind of annoying. Um, so I world build with those things in mind and trying to keep them uh, in a hierarchy of sorts. So if Mira comes across a Vega Wang, it's not as big of a deal as a Deep Beast. Um, so try to balance it again, like, in, like a TTRPG, um, balance it that way. 
Um, but yeah, monsters are some of my favorite things to write. So it was, it was very fun to sit down and write out ideas for those. And then eventually I put them all into a giant Google doc that is a Bible. Um, I have Excel spreadsheets that I also put in there, um, just to keep track of power levels and power ceilings. So I make sure I keep everything decently consistent. Um, and it all, of course, feeds back into the magic system. So I have to consider that when I'm creating monsters. But yeah. Uh, fellow nerd to nerd, uh, a Crimson yes. Steel RPG would be amazing. So Oh, I am fully planning there. on writing, if I get around to it ever, this is one of my aspirational things, uh, very similar to you know how I would love to have a graphic novel. Um, I'm not good enough for it, but one day. <laughs> Excellent. Um, That's all I need to hear is one day. <laughs> Yeah, one day. Yes, I would love to write a um, a module and have you know limited classes where you pair up with your your wizard and your uh, blood hunter or maybe even fighter, um, and go on your own adventure and slay some deep beasts. <laughs> love it. That sounds amazing. Uh, so, is there anything you haven't explored yet in this serial or future serials that you plan to or would like to? Oh, um, let's see. Um, this one isn't quite gay enough. I'm working on another one <laughs> that is more gay. Um, I love writing my straight couples. I really do. But um, my little by heart is going to need some lesbians soon or I might die. Um, so I'm working on another smaller project that I'm hoping will make it to Vela um, that will have more of those undertones um, versus the Crimson Steel, um, which is entirely heterosexual. I apologize. <laughs> hey, don't apologize. Uh, just make sure that we get the gay stuff. Oh, I, I will. It's on my radar. I promise. Excellent. Like I said, I will die without it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let us know when it's dropped so we can share it with the peoples. Of course. <laughs> so as a final question, uh, what do you like most about writing serial fiction? Oh, I am hugely into shows and movies and manga and comic books. So anything that's the idea of telling a short little arc makes me happy. Um, I have the attention span of a goldfish. So the idea that I can sit down with something for a half hour and then put it down and feel like I completed, you know, reading something or watching something makes me happy. Um, the other thing that I just love about serial fiction um, and Vela especially, this is because we're all on this new platform together um, trying to figure out how to make it work, um, is just the camaraderie of it. I think drafting in general, I figured this out with my first, the first book of my series, um, Drafting in general is lonely, guys. I <laughs> I have never felt more alone, even when I joined writing groups. Um, but then when I came to publishing, I was like, it's done. I don't have any writing to talk about. It's It gets lonely. But having that ongoing serial and that ongoing camaraderie of authors is so cool. Um, and you get to interact with readers that are at different phases of reading, which is my favorite thing. Um, so it makes the whole process a lot less lonely and a lot easier to push forward with. Um, I don't know that this draft would be as long as it is without people, you know, reaching out and being like, I love this thing. I love this idea. Um, when, when is more, please? <laughs> I could not agree more. Uh, 
for me, there's some type of aspect of like being that that DM or that game master and just kind of letting your readers or your players go through and they're just like, where's the more? Where's more? So yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And when they come up with ideas of like, oh, I need I need to see her fight an underwater monster. I'm like, you just wait. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us and talking about your film. Yeah, of course. Our thanks today to LPM Sinclair for letting us share their episode. If you liked it, you can read the first three episodes free on Kindle Bella. The link is in the show notes. Also, if you're a writer, we have a companion podcast, The Writer Serial Fiction Show, where we talk with authors about their stories and discuss the elements of writing compelling serial fiction. We want to thank you for listening to The Reader Serial Fiction Show. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, send them your favorite episode link. And if you want to leave an Apple podcast review, we read all of them and take your suggestions. You can also leave a comment on this episode on our website, SerialFictionShow.com. Finally, we now have a Patreon where you can get Serial Fiction Show episodes early and other great stuff. We have tons of things in the works. Check it out at Patreon.com slash Serial Fiction Show. Thanks, and we'll see you next time with another Serial Fiction episode. And, and that's, that's a wrap. wrap. Like quick and it's gonna take me like a hot minute. Uh, I'm gonna sing Queen for you. A sealed silhouette of a man's got a moosh, got a moosh. Will you do the fandango? The double and lightning, very, very frightening me. Magnifico. No, 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 no. Oh, mama mia, mama mia, mama mia, let me go. Yes, yes a bub. There's a devil for the side for, for me. me. I can't. For me. I can't. I'm not for even going to try. <laughs>